most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. This is our AFC South preseason edition. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined as always by my dude, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's hey, up? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty good, all things considered. Fun times the other night, though, right? Yeah, uh, Sean and I and some friends went to uh, a rum bar out here in L.A. So, Well, we went to a WNBA game. And a WNBA. Oh, I mean, some of us stayed longer than others. but uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, that was the whole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Yeah, was, good uh, times. Yeah, good, good times. Good times and uh, smoked some cigars. So, yeah. Uh, let's get into the AFC South, though. Uh, what we're doing with these podcasts is kind of going through every fantasy relevant player on each of the teams in each division. So uh, we've got the AFC and NFC West episodes out already. So check those out. If you haven't, uh, be sure to give us a subscribe, uh, five-star rating and review on Spotify or Apple if you enjoy the pod. But let's jump right into the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, let's start with Matt Ryan. What are your thoughts on Matty Ice? going from Atlanta to the Indianapolis Colts and replacing Wentz. Yeah. So he should be a slight upgrade over, you know, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, uh, you know, the past two quarterbacks we've seen uh, run the Colts offense. So I think this is good news for the rest of the offense, but you know, in, in fantasy, he, he, he has a limited ceiling at this point in his career. Uh, he's going to a run heavy offense uh, built around Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and he offers, you know, like no rushing upside. So, He's certainly a low end QB two, um, probably, you know, worth a target in deeper two quarterback leagues where you just want a high floor. He's your guy, but unfortunately I, I don't think he has a QB one type of season in him, uh, but he certainly does help the rest of the offense. So I think, well, you know, I gave a slight boost to, you know, a guy like Pittman and he might be able to support, you know, multiple pass catching uh, weapons in this offense, but uh, he himself probably doesn't benefit too much. I mean, he's been able to play with guys like, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage to a certain extent, Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitts over the past few seasons. So I think this is a slight downgrade in terms of surrounding talent. Um, but so, yeah, I view him as a low end QB2 right now. Yeah, the surrounding talent is definitely um, a downgrade. I don't know if it's much of a downgrade over what he had last year in Atlanta. Right. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I do. I don't think he's washed or anything. Or I don't mm-hmm. think he's like, you know, he's obviously not at his career peak, um, but mm-hmm. He still can play well. I think he's going to be a good fit for this offense. And Frank Reich has come out and said, you know, we probably ran the ball too much last year. So I do think we're going to see them open it up a little bit. But I think the best time to target Ryan would be as a streaming option uh, early in the season. Because, first of all, if Michael Pittman ever goes down, I mean, it's, oh. it's just over. Like, you would never want yeah. so Early in the season is probably always going to be the best time to, to target mm-hmm. him in case there's an injury. but. He opens the season at Houston, at Jacksonville, and then a, a potential shootout with Kansas City in week uh, three. So 
I think there is, you know, it, it, he he could be viable to start the year. Uh, especially I don't know. At Houston, Houston, you know. At Houston at Jacksonville just sounds like Jonathan Taylor 200-yard rushing games to me. Yeah, but they are on the road to <laughs> division game. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Houston's indoors, I believe. So that's always good yeah. for Matty Ice. So I'm just saying, you know, out of – if you're ever going to use him, yeah. that, that's probably <laughs> when you are going to use him before yeah. injury starts to, to take effect. But – um, he is somebody I'm, I'm at least intrigued by as far as his real life effect on the Colts. And I, I do think he's going to have a positive impact on Pittman, who's going as the uh, wide receiver 23 in fantasy pros, half PPR, ADP. And, you know, looking at Ryan compared to Wentz, passing grade and, and from a clean pocket, which I think is going to be important because the Colts offensive line is a lot better than what Ryan had with the Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan was 12th in, in PFF pass grade from a clean pocket. Wentz was 26th last year. Uh, Ryan is also second last year in deep adjusted completion percentage uh, at 53%. And Wentz was not terrible. Um, he was at 47.5%. That was 12th, but uh, about a 5% increase for Ryan. So I think he could throw a better deep ball. And I think he's going to be able to throw with a little bit more accuracy from a clean pocket, uh, which will help Michael Pittman. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if you can get Pittman at wide receiver 23, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, he sort of had a Mike Williams type of breakout season last year where he was the wide receiver nine through the first nine weeks, and then he fell to wide receiver 30 in the final nine weeks. Um, I'm certainly willing to buy in in his upside here. So, you know, what we saw in the first nine weeks, I think he can carry that over into this season. Like you said, with, with Matt Ryan, I think he does get an upgrade. Um, so he's heading into year three, so he could be, you know, even better this year. Uh, so I love targeting Pittman at 23, although I've seen some sites his ADP is as high as, you know, 13. Um, I think somewhere in the wide receiver 17 to 19 range is probably where Pittman should go just based on his upside. And you kind of alluded to earlier, if he were to go down, I mean, Matt Ryan is screwed. So uh, Pittman sitting atop a pretty shaky depth chart. Uh, so he should command a ton of targets this year. He's a good red zone weapon. Um, he can be good downfield. So I, I love Pittman at wide receiver 23. Yeah, he's a one of the better wide receiver two options. You can yeah. kind of take him anywhere you need a wide receiver two. That's probably why we're seeing the, the big spread in terms of his mm-hmm. ADP at different spots. Uh, what do you think of these other guys? You mentioned the shaky depth chart. Um, you know, Alec Pierce, I think, has some intrigue. He's kind of a size speed guy. Um, he's getting some Jordy Nelson comps. Um, he's going to wide receiver 91. He could be an every down wide receiver right away because Paris Campbell, number one, never stays healthy. But number two, you would think he would be the slot receiver, um, if, even if he was mm-hmm. healthy, which means Pierce could be like an every down wide receiver. Um, but at the same time, the Colts, rookies, especially outside of like, you know, the running back position, really haven't been super productive, you know, during this reich ballard uh era so i'm curious as what you think on, on pierce especially and then campbell if he can if he can stay yeah. healthy yeah so i mean pierce he, he seems like sort of the logical ty hilton replacement um you know he, he should be their main deep threat uh, i think he's he has a really good size speed combo so he could be you know a weapon in the red zone as well like six foot three two eleven um so he could be a more complete receiver than even ty hilton uh, but unfortunately you know he's in a run first offense so might not see enough weekly volume to, you know, be a consistent, uh, you know, wide receiver. But certainly, I think in best ball, 
you know, with his big play potential, you don't really need to figure out when he's going to have his big weeks. He's probably more of a best ball type of target. But like you said, you know, these Colts rookie receivers, even Pittman kind of got off to a slow start as a rookie. Um, it, it's going to be tough to, you know, consider him, you know, having wide receiver four type of upside, but um, certainly worth a flyer in later rounds in best ball. And yeah, uh, you know, the, the Colts probably are going to use a little bit more heavy tight end personnel than most teams. So um, I, I don't know if I like Paris Campbell as a bet this season. He's obviously very talented um, and, you know, his early career has been plagued by injury. So he, he could finally break out this season, but just in this offense, I think it's going to be tough for him to hit unless a Pierce or Pittman were to go down. So he's just a guy to monitor uh, than a guy to really target in the later rounds, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Campbell's definitely this whole Campbell Pierce situation really um is something to monitor just because I think we mm-hmm. could see a little bit more pass heavy offense, but also, you know, it, I think like you said, Pierce in best ball. Campbell, you can't really do it in best ball because you can't drop him if he gets hurt. So yeah, well. I don't really like him in best ball. But I mean, one of these two guys could be the number two target um on the team. Yep. You know, like that's not out of the question, or at least number two in air yards. Um, Because somebody else, I think, may end up being a number two target who I'll talk about in a second. But, you know, the tight ends, that's where I feel like it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> hands off. Like there's four guys, really. Moali Cox, they drafted Jelani Woods in round three. They drafted Andrew Ogletree in round six. They still got Kylan Grantson coming back, uh, you know, entering year two. So, I mm-hmm. mean, they this this could just be kind of like a clusterfuck. Of, and you're never going <laughs> to really get any more than like two catches from any of these guys any week. Yeah, I mean, I thought after Jack Doyle retired, we might get, you know, a little bit narrower target tree in this tight end room, but that's not the case because they drafted Jelani Woods in the third round. So it's going to be very murky. I know there, there was at points last year, uh, you thought Kylan Granson had some upside. So he, he could mix in as well. I think the, the only guy that I'd be willing to bet on, I'm not saying to draft him, but Mo Alley Cox at least has, you know, massive touchdown upside. I mean, he is just a physical specimen. Um, so I, I think that he could hit value just by scoring touchdowns. He, he doesn't need a ton of volume um, to, to post, you know, fantasy relevant numbers. But like you said, this is sort of a mess. I think you're going to have to see one or two of these guys that go down before we can comfortably, you know, be ranking these guys as, you know, higher end tight end too. So uh, for me, it's just Molly Cox do the, the touch on upside, but long-term maybe next season, Jelani Woods could be, you know, the guy in this offense. But right now it's, you know, like you said, a three to four way committee possibly. So this is a tight end group uh, I'm probably going to ignore. Yeah, Woods has some size. And uh, I think long term he's got the most upside. But mm-hmm. as we've talked about, you almost never see rookie tight ends outside of round one do anything fantasy mm-hmm. relevant in, in, you know, their, their first year. Uh, Jonathan Taylor obviously had a monster year. He's going first overall. I guess, the, you know, the only question is, you know, what's a real, more realistic projection for him? Because last year, I mean, it was definitely an outlier. Um, even though he's still going as that number one guy, he had 2,171 scrimmage yards and 20 touchdowns uh, after 1468 and 12 touchdowns in his rookie year. Uh, so where are you, where are you putting him at? Uh, you know, what range are you putting him in for year three? Yeah, so he's obviously the number one uh, running back in my model, and. I have his receiving uh, production basically on par with last year. So I'm not going to say those numbers, but um, you know, yeah. So he, he rushed 332 times for 1800 yards and 18 touchdowns. Uh, I'm projecting closer to, you know, 310 carries, 1500 yards, 
and 12 touchdowns. So some pretty big regression there, but still by far the number one back. And he's sort of the new Derrick Henry where he's the most durable back as well. Apparently he's never missed a practice in high school, college or NFL. But um, uh, as far as I know, he's human. So he is going to be prone to injury at some point. I mean, uh, football is a pretty violent sport, so it's really hard to escape injury your entire career. Uh, but as far as we know, he's a durable back um, and knock on wood, he stays healthy for all 17 games. Um, he should be able to come close to the numbers last year. But like you said, that was certainly an outlier and that probably will be his best season ever. Uh, if he were able to top that, that'd be incredible. But either way, he's still the number one back by far. I think that the tier below him, uh, pretty much every guy in the tier below him has some reason to downgrade uh, going into this season. So, you know, it just makes it like Jonathan Taylor even more. Yeah. Um, I think the best value on this offense uh, in terms of, you know, where they're going in ADP is Naeem Hines. Uh, he's currently going as the RB 48 in fantasy pros, half PPR ADP and just kind of paying attention to what's going on and, you know, the coach camp and what the coaches are saying. I think it's clear that that Hines is going to be a value this year. Uh, Frank Wright was quoted as saying, I think last year, as we've documented, well, we probably got a tad more run centric than we wanted to be than I wanted us to be. Um, and, and just worked out the way the dynamics were. Naeem still made an impact in games, but not as much as normal. And if you look at his years here, it's been like every other year where he seems to have a better year. Uh, and then, you know, this is from the athletic uh, Zach, Zach Kiefer. And uh, he goes on to say the Colts have designs on increasing Hines's role without taking away too many of Taylor's carries, um, which tells mm -hmm. me that they are going to use him a lot more in the receiving game and as a slot receiver, um, which, which they've talked about in, in other reports uh, coming out of camp that he's lining up as a slot a lot. Uh, and, uh, and then quoting Reich again, he says, if I was a fantasy owner, uh, if I was going to be in a fantasy league, I think I'd pick Naeem this year. So, um, you know, that those, you know, he, He's kind of giving up the straight up heads up that they're going to involve <laughs> Naeem more. And if you look at his, first of all, he's never missed a game in, uh, in, in four seasons. And if you look at his touches and, and scrimmage yards, or just let's look at his touches. Year one, 148. Year two, 96. Year three, 152. Year four, 96. So I think he's on track for another like 150 plus touches, you know, quote, nine, 10 a game, as opposed to the, uh, you know, six or seven he was getting last year. And uh, that, that can make a big difference. So uh, I really like Hines this year. I think he may end up being that slot receiver. Um, and, and just especially when the Colts kind of say they know and they're aware of the numbers and, you know, that he's been kind of up and then they give him as many touches as they want and then it kind of drops down again. Uh, mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's a clear signal that, that uh, he's going to kind of jump back up this year. Yeah, no, I, I like that. And I think if Frank Reich wanted to be more specific with his fancy advice, he probably should have said, you know, if you're in a PPR format, deeper yeah, league, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Naheem Hines, you know, even if Jonathan Taylor plays all 17 games, Hines should give you a handful of points every week. And that's valuable if you're in a deeper PPR format. Um, and, you know, if Jonathan Taylor were to ever miss time, which that doesn't seem to be likely anytime soon, um, he does have... I would say like low end RB2 potential. Um, he, he's probably never going to be a true workhorse back, but the depth behind him is pretty shaky. They just brought in Philip Lindsay. Uh, they added Tyson Williams uh, a few weeks ago. So 
there might be some form of a committee, but he should see, you know, 15 plus touches in this offense behind this offensive line. Um, so he has injury upside as well, as well as being playable when Jonathan Taylor is healthy. So I do like his sort of floor ceiling combo that you can get. Um, like what's his ADP right now? Like RB 48 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So so that is ADP. That's, that's perfect. I mean, he's like a dollar store version of James white, Uh, but you know what you're going to get with him, which is valuable at that point in the draft. So yeah, I I love that call. Oh, I mean, he's absolutely scoring more fantasy points than James. Oh, I would, I would bet. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about like good James white. (laughs) Oh, oh. you know, prime Uh, James white. Yeah. Like this is, I mean, we saw it last year. Matt Ryan had, you know, Cordero kind of jumping between the backfield and receiver. Um, you yeah. know, I'm sure they kind of kind of transfer some of those concepts to Hines, but um, it, I mean, this this offense is kind of looking for a number two target, and we're trying to figure out if it's going to be Campbell or Pierce, one of the tight ends. Uh, it's probably <laughs> going to be Naeem Hines. Like, yeah. I think there's a chance he could catch 90, 80, 90 balls this year. Uh, you know, his high has been 63, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him catch. Uh, like five balls a game. I think that's kind of his ceiling. So um, I think he actually has like that Danny Woodhead, just kind of explosion. Mm. You know, what was he? Woodhead was like a RB, like top 10 RB, one or two, two of those. Yeah. Years. I think he has that potential. Like, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Naeem Hines. That's, that's my sleeper. That's my guy for the Colts. Um, anybody for you sleeper bust, anything like that before we jump to the Titans? Um, I, I think for, in terms of sleeper, I would just say Mo Alley Cox, just because of his touch on upside, but, um, or, or Michael Pittman, honestly, if, if you can get Michael Pittman at wide receiver 23, I would consider that a sleeper, um, especially if you get him as, you know, your wide receiver three in that range. Um, but yeah, this offense, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, you know, saps so much <laughs> value in this offense. He, he's, um, he's probably the guy to take, but yeah, I, I would say Mo Ali Cox is probably the deeper league sleeper. I, I can't believe you just said Mo Ali Cox. Well, I'm saying like, <laughs> yeah. I, I like, <laughs> it's Michael Pittman. It's Michael Pittman. Okay, but if we're, okay. if we're mean, talking about like, yeah, I mean, you can just say no one. Like, it, it, no one. No one. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 either Hines, Pittman. Yeah, could outplay ADP. Obviously, yeah, that's it like, depends I on your like definition every single Colts player is more likely to outperform their ADP. Than yeah, uh, yeah, they're they're all they're all Pierce, cheap for a reason. Campbell. Yeah, they're all I cheap mean, yeah, for a reason. Uh, yeah. I Matt Ryan. Way. Yeah, well, I mean, I, there's just too many of these guys at tight end for me. Let's move on from the Colts, uh, Yes, please. let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, Ryan Tannehill for the Titans. Let's start there. Let me say this. Now, obviously not great losing A.J. Brown, no. just to put some numbers behind it. The last two seasons with A.J. Brown, uh, 230 passing yards per game, 1.9 touchdowns per game, and 7.4 yards per attempt. So pretty solid numbers. Um, not, not great yardage, but, you know, still solid. Uh, without Brown, six games, 216 passing yards per game. So he drops off 14 per game on that. Just 0.8 passing touchdowns per game. So he drops off by 1.1 passing touchdowns per game. That's over four fantasy points right there uh, without A.J. Brown in the lineup. And his yards per attempt drops from 7.4 to 6.3. So, yeah, you know, that... That is not ideal. Now, I know they got Traylon Burks, who can do some of the things A.J. Brown can do, uh, but he's not as good of a route runner and separator. Um, so I don't know how much, you know, the, the, the yards per attempt will rebound um, with him compared to, to Brown. And uh, you also got Robert Woods here. Uh, no word on exactly when he's returning, though it should be before the season. So 
Uh, it might not be as bad as those numbers without Brown, but uh, even if it's something in the middle, he's not really going to be very valuable uh, this year. Um, that being said, he does have some streaming appeal, at least in week one. He's going against the Giants, so the Titans are implied to score uh, 25.3 points. So not great, but not terrible. Um, and then, But then he goes to Buffalo in week two, which not really – you know, a defense you want to play on the road as a quarterback. So not much there with Tannehill, but any, any thoughts on him? Uh, no, I, you already mentioned it. I think just the loss of A.J. Brown is huge. Um, you know, he was the QB 30 last year, weeks 12 through 15 when A.J. Brown was out. But they were also without Derrick Henry, and uh, they only had Julio Jones for one of those games. So, you know, he was missing a ton of weapons. Yeah. But, you know, the past few seasons, it's been so tough to project Ryan Tannehill like, my model always undervalues them. Remember, I've been like asking, what do I do? So, you know, I've had to artificially add a few points to their team total every every week just to get his projection up. But maybe the whole time it was just A.J. Brown's insane efficiency and, you know, skills after the catch that helped Tannehill. Uh, but also Tannehill, you know, he's banked on rushing touchdowns the past couple seasons. Yeah. He scored seven each of the past two. So, I mean, you would have to expect that to regress at some point. So, yeah, I, I'm... My model's been down on Tannehill the past couple seasons, but I think it'll finally catch up to him now um, this season. So, yeah, I, I'm off him, um, even though he is pretty cheap around, like, the QB 21 range, but just his upside is so limited now um, without A.J. Brown. And Traylon Burks is no slam dunk. So if, if he doesn't hit as a rookie, you know, Tannehill's screwed. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm off on Tannehill. Uh, all right, what do you think of, Let's start with Burks. He's actually going ahead of Woods, um, wide receiver 33. Uh, Woods is going wide receiver 41. What are your thoughts on Burks and what he can do uh, in year one? Yeah, so he this landing spot was ideal <laughs> for, his, uh, for his rookie value anyway. I mean, they essentially drafted him to replace A.J. Brown. Whether he can do that or not, what, like whether he can be 80% of A.J. Brown remains to be seen, but that, that certainly gives him a high floor because they're going to give him every chance he was sort of a polarizing prospect where he, yeah, he has a high ceiling, but he does have a low floor entering year one. And it might take him a couple of years to really hit his stride, uh, but he's going to be given every single chance possible to hit as a rookie. So that's why his ADP, you know, at wide receiver 39, it certainly makes sense. Uh, but he does have a low floor. He's far from a slam dunk. Um, and, you know, AJ Brown, he's been able to produce off of a very low volume. Uh, compared to other wide receiver ones and wide receiver two. So Burks is going to have to be insanely efficient to come close to that. Um, so wide receiver 39, I'm probably not buying in on that. Exactly at 30. Oh, 30. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So it's just a bit too rich for my blood. Like, like I said, like the, the landing spot certainly means that he should be way higher than if he landed basically anywhere else. But um, I just think he has a more of a chance to to bust than not. So I'm probably going to pass on him. I think Robert Woods might be the better play just because you can get him cheaper. Uh, but both guys have just limited upside and a run first offense anyway. Yeah, I think Woods, the fact that Woods is going after Burks, you know, as long as we get word that he's ready to go by, you know, before the season, um, hopefully sometime in the preseason since he is being integrated into a new offense, yeah. new team, new quarterback, new coaching staff, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, Robert Woods has been just so consistent, um, you know, these last four or five years. So, I, you know, he's the guy that I would check, you know, check for. But at the end of the day, it, it's all about health. So that's just something we have to monitor. But as it stands right now, if I'm taking a shot, if I'm drafted now, um, I still think Woods is a value because 
there's been no indication that he won't be ready before the season. So yep. uh, wide receiver 41, I'm going to do that. I, I think he could be the number one, even if Burks, you know, Burks is playing every down. I know Burks can play in, he played in the slot two thirds of the time and, and it's uh, at Arkansas last season. So he, he, he'll be on the field too, but uh, I still think Woods uh, could still be the number one, even with Burks playing every down. Yep. Agree. And you, you know, he, he's coming from an offense where multiple pass catchers can have fancy relevance. Unfortunately, this offense, maybe one, maybe two uh, can have value a week. So he's going to be a little bit more inconsistent in this offense, but his ADP reflects that. I mean, he's out, outside of the top 40 now. So I think just out of these two, he's probably the safer bet if he's healthy by week one. Yeah. And uh, you know, you kind of alluded to it, probably not going to support three wide receivers. I think rookie Kyle Phillips might actually win that slot job and kind of take mm. over that Chester Rogers role. I know some people kind of project Westbrook Aquina uh, to be that starter. I don't see it. I, I think they'd like Phillips to get that, that, that job. Um, but I, I doubt he's going to be fantasy relevant. So we can yeah. just talk about any, is there any way Austin Hooper kind of finds his way <laughs> into value? He's, he's probably going to get that Ferkser role. He doesn't really block a lot, but Ferkser only had 2.3 catches per game last year. So uh, it might not matter. Yeah, no, I've, I've been off Hooper ever since he left the Falcons. Um, and you know, it, he's leaving a Brown system that liked to rotate two to three tight ends pretty heavily to a Titans offense that likes to rotate two to three tight ends pretty heavily. I don't, I don't think he really has the athleticism to really make it work with, you know, the lack of targets needed to, to be in the tight end one, two discussion. So yeah, this is a mess. Um, I don't really like Hooper uh, anymore. I, I was all about him, all about him when he was on the Falcons. But ever since then, just the sit, the situations haven't been ideal for his skill set. So I'm off him and Swaim and whoever the hell else they throw out there. Uh, Chigazem Okonkwo. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he has he has yeah. some upside, but again, rookie tight ends like unless they're in the first couple rounds, you know, they don't usually don't do much as a rookie. Uh, Derek Henry's going as the RB two, um, at, in half PPR, at least, uh, are you comfortable with that? Would you still rather have uh, McCaffrey? Oh man. I, I think I'd probably still lean McCaffrey at this point. Um, I, I have Henry as my RB four, just based on volume alone. I remember last year I was kind of pondering when we're going to really start to project a de- decline for him. And I think the fact that he did miss, what was it like eight to nine games last year? Um, that, that's eight to nine games that he wasn't taking, you know, 30 hits a game. Um, so I think that that helps him this season where, you know, I think we're going to get one more good volume season out of Henry and he, his efficiency will probably start to dip. Uh, we already saw that last year, his 4.3 yards per carry were the lowest since, uh, 2017. So, um, you know, his efficiency metrics are starting to decline in my model. Uh, but he's still going to see a ton of volume, especially after they got rid of AJ Brown. But defenses are going to be stacking the box a lot more. Probably going to be a little bit easier to slow him down. But just based on volume alone, uh, I think he's a top four back. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned the decline, and age twenty seven is usually when you see a decline. And you know, nine hundred thirty seven yards were his lowest since twenty seventeen, um, obviously due to injury. But in, like, if he does stay healthy. I mean, the upside is insane because he averaged 27.4 carries per game last year, a career high, Uh, a career high by 3.8 carries per game, I should add. So like, yeah, I don't mind him. Like, I'm not going to argue if somebody takes him second because you can't really predict injuries, but just 
from a volume standpoint, from a number standpoint, you know, age 27 is when these running backs really start to decline. And we saw that and it was because of injuries. So we could see it again, but they're, the, uh, they're still like top player in fantasy upside, like overall yeah, RB1 yeah. And, upside. And his receiving usage went up a little bit, which is nice. He, he basically matched his receiving output every year in half the games. So he was essentially doubling his receiving output. So that would be one way. Um, if he's just a little bit less efficient, if he's getting more, uh, you know, receptions per game, that'll help offset that quite a bit. Do you, any interest in the rookie Hassan Haskins as a handcuff? I always, when I'm drafting a running back that high, I always like the ones that have like the free handcuff that I could just take in the last round and, and not have to yeah. worry about it. Um, do you think, cause Haskins is kind of a, more of a one for one replacement for Henry. Yep. He's a bigger mm-hmm. guy, kind of North South guy. Um, and they, they, they didn't bring back McNichols who they've been using as kind of that change of pace. I think Hilliard, Dontrell Hilliard still on the roster. He, mm-hmm. he played pretty well last year, but I mean, do you think if Henry does go down is Haskins kind of sliding into that Henry role or at least a role like, like the Deontay Foreman role, which was still fairly valuable uh, last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they drafted him essentially to be a Derrick Henry backup. He's six foot two, 228, big power back out of Michigan. Um, he, he's going to be, you know, Deontay Foreman last year where he's only going to have value if Derrick Henry misses time. But if Derrick Henry's out, you know, he should see 15 plus carries a game in that role. Uh, won't be as good as Derrick Henry, of course, but, and, you know, I, I've never been a fan of taking Derrick Henry's backup for obvious reasons, but last year he proved, unfortunately, that he is a human being uh, and he is susceptible to injury. So now, now we can kind of consider uh, taking Derrick Henry's backup, especially his ADP is what, in the 70, 65, 70 range? Uh, so I didn't even write it down. That's I think now. he's, I think he's got to be 87, one of the, 87. Yeah. He's got to be one of the cheapest one for one handcuffs um in football so yeah if you have henry uh i would certainly you know stash haskins in a deeper format because yeah but if henry goes down he's probably going to be able to be in the rb3 flex uh territory yeah and we can and you can kind of monitor that you know in camp but you know they, i mean if they yeah. if we start getting reports like oh he's not picking up the offense he's behind <laughs> hilliard then it's like okay yeah then we're but, off. i mean running backs usually come in and play right away you know like it's yeah. there's nothing really holding him back except pass pro and we don't need him to really do anything in the past game to, to right <laughs> take over for henry uh all right let's uh all right any sleepers or bust here before you jump to the i just bags? think yeah sleeper would be just robert woods because he's the cheaper of the, the two wide receivers that we want to target and the, the bus just trail on Burks. Unfortunately, you know, I, I think he has a ton of upside, but his ADP, if it's wide receiver 33 right now, that's just a bit too high. You, you kind of need him to hit at the ADP. And I just think he has a lower floor than people realize. So I'd say the sleepers woods bus is Burks. Yeah. I like woods is a sleeper. I, I mean, bust is like kind of the whole offense <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> outside of Henry. Um, right. If not, but uh you know, I, I don't want to call Burks a potential bust. Yeah, I hate to say don't that. No, well, yeah. just because we don't know what's the deal with Woods. So I'll say Woods yeah. is the sleeper. You know, and if if he is the sleeper, then Burks is going a little bit too high. Yeah. Um, but um, if not, you know, then 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 it, then it changes. Uh, all right, let's go to Jacksonville. What did you think of Trevor Lawrence's rookie year? Obviously, he was bottom five in pretty much every passing metric, but. Do you think that was kind of a an indication of 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 his of his skills and, and future, or just like all the the kind of state of flux that the Jaguars I, were in last year? 
I think 2022 will be the year we kind of find out what the problem was last year. I, I mean, we we bag on Urban Meyer every week last year, rightfully so. But I, I would always kind of mention, you know, Trevor Lawrence has looked like shit. Like, let's be real. Um, so, you know, I think the regime change will only help. It can only help at this point. Um, so we'll we'll find out. But, you know, he was really bad within the system last year. I think Doug Peterson should help. I mean, he was able to make Carson Wentz look like an MVP uh, for at least the season. So let, let's see what he can do with Lawrence. I think Lawrence just, we, we have to bet on upside and talent with him. He went number one overall last year for a reason. I'm not willing to give up on him quite yet. Um, so, you know, he's in the QB 20 range. I think he is just kind of worth, you know, gambling on his upside and the, the, the regime change can only help but he doesn't have, you know, the the talent around him, I think, to have a true breakout season. I, I The Jaguars seem to think Christian Kirk is, you know, a top 15 wide receiver in the league. That is unfortunately not the case. So I just think given the talent around him this year, he can only do so much. But um, last year it was really bad. And this year, I guess we'll find out if it, how much of it was really him versus Urban Meyer. Yeah, I think he could, uh, you know, if you're in a two quarterback league, I think he could outkick you beat 21 uh, this year. Yeah. I think the overall talent at receiver is better because you have Kirk, you have Jones, you have both Jones as Marvin and Zay. You still have Treadwell who played well. You still have Chenault. You know, we'll see what happens with him. Maybe yeah. he gets traded, but um, that's a deep receiving core. You know, there's no star, but it's at least deep. And last year, I think a, there was a couple of problems. One was that uh, he, had, he suffered the second most drops in the league. Um, and receivers were running the wrong routes. They weren't on the same page, uh, which could still be an issue, obviously, this year. But um, I, I think there's nowhere to go but up in terms of supporting cast. At tight end, you know, Evan Ingram combined with Dan Arnold, I think, gives you a better kind of receiving duo, no matter who's out there running routes. ETN being back gives him some, yeah. high, you know, high percentage yeah, that- throws that he can make and, and potentially an explosive player that could do the work for him after the catch. So... I do think he's going to be a lot better. Uh, um, obviously, a lot of, you know, there were things, there were positives in his film. I think he had his best game, the last game of the season against the Colts. So that's the positive thing. Um, he made some really impressive mm-hmm. throws, but um, he also made some bad throws and, and, and some bad decisions. So And sneaky rushing upside when yeah, he wants. Like he doesn't, yards, couple yeah, he doesn't want to run, there. but when he does, he can be sneaky. And I, I think just if they get him moving around a lot more, <clears throat> it's going to help him as a thrower. And, you know, uh, rushing production could go up as well. And that's, that's, that's really what we're looking for um, in year two is sort of just packaging it all together. And he, obviously he has the upside to do it. Yeah. If you're just in a redraft, I think you leave him on the wire. I mean, there's no real streaming appeal mm-hmm. week one at Washington. They're implied for uh, 20.3 points. Uh, and then he faces Indianapolis, which maybe that could be good, but <laughs> uh, cause they always beat, I think it's seven in a row. Now they beat Indianapolis at home, but uh, Indianapolis should have a pretty solid defense. So, yeah. um, you know, that would just be all kind of narrative based. Uh, uh, so you mentioned, you you know, they, they're kind of paying Kirk like a top 15 <laughs> wide receiver. He's going as the wide receiver 41 in fantasy pros, half PPR ADP. Um, I've seen that a little higher at some places, uh, but I've seen it in the forties at, at other places. As well, uh, what do you think of Kirk uh, for this year? Yeah, I mean, he might not be a true alpha number one receiver, but the the Jaguars are certainly treating him like one. So that's that's good news for fantasy. Um, you know, they're probably going to force the issue with him this year, and you know, but he is going to be facing probably the top 
cornerback uh, from each defense. D- you know, teams will scheme to slow him down, I guess. So, well, maybe not because he's so he actually was sixth. In, I didn't realize just how much he played in the slot last year, but he was actually sixth in the league in slot targets. So, well, like, he is. That, I, that I could I, help. Yeah, no, I, I've always thought of him as a, yeah. as a slot receiver. So, um, you know, they're, they're obviously going to be able to move him around. And I think his target share will be high enough to, to warrant, you know, taking him at his ADP. And I, I was going to say, like, in best ball, one of the cheapest sort of high upside stacks you could do right now is Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. and Christian Kirk. Um, you know, th- that's kind of banking on Lawrence having a year to leap. It has less to do with Kirk. But, um, you know, getting a Lawrence Kirk stack is pretty cheap and comes with you know, a ton of upside. So that I was going to say in best ball leagues, uh, I like stacking Kirk with uh, Lawrence. Yeah. It's kind of, and it's kind of that confirmation bias. If you're the Jaguars, right. I mean, yeah. you just spent all this money on this guy. You're going to probably treat him like the number one receiver. And, yep. You know, it's a new regime that we don't always see these things work out right away when it's like, uh, you know, receivers change teams, but I mean, what do you, how do you think the rest of the depth chart is even going to shake out? Like is Marvin Jones still going to be that kind of like, I guess he would be the number two more so, but like he was essentially their alpha. If they, the closest thing they had to an alpha uh, last year, but, but he really disappeared down the stretch. Then they also signed Zay Jones for a decent chunk of money. Uh, so like which Jones is like <laughs> the, is are I, any of these Jones is going to be relevant? I guess. I think, question. yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to go into every draft building my strategy around taking Marvin Jones, but <laughs> Um, his, any his, draft. yeah, yeah, no, like his ADP is <laughs> wide receiver 70. Um, and he was wide receiver 34 last year in the horrific urban Meyer, bad Trevor Lawrence offense. Uh, and so we've been saying Trevor Lawrence, he can only get better this year. It'll be a better system. So yeah, I think Marvin Jones will probably be the number two wide receiver, at least to start. Um, you know, his upside is limited. He's turning 32 this year, but I think it's good to have a veteran like him with Lawrence. I think Lawrence did lean on him a lot of times. You know, if there was a broken play, he would know where Jones is going to be. So, you know, I think he's a good flyer at wide receiver 70 if if you can get him there. But, yeah, just outside of Kirk, it's a mess. I remember last year we just had the rotating guys of, uh, you know, like Treadwell, Agnew had some spots where he was valuable. Uh, Chenault, like you said. Uh, could finally break out and they, they brought in Zay Jones. So I think it's just, it's a mess and it's really hard to figure out um, outside of Christian and Kirk. Uh, but I'd say the one guy that probably has the higher floor certainly would be Marvin Jones. Yeah. It's, you know, I kind of go back and forth on it because Marvin Jones has been very consistent. And if, you know, if he just does what he's done over the last few years, it's not going to be spectacular, but he's had at least, you know, at least 779 yards in each of the last three years um you know 832 last year if he can get in that range he would be a value at wide receiver 70 but i i also think it's kind of troubling that like once laquan treadwell got on the field he was like <laughs> kind of the like he turned into the number one receiver yeah um, and and then and now you have like him and zay jones like so i think the the floor is like marvin jones is like a, a healthy scratch which i you know what i mean so it's like but at Ooh, the same time, you're not stretch. risking it. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I, I mean, mean, you're just, but you're not really risking anything or, or just cut like mid season. But yeah, at the same time, you're not really risking anything at wide receiver 73. So I don't know. It's, it's not my favorite pick. I think I have him on a couple of teams in best ball, um, kind of going a across your thinking. But the more I think about it, there are like two other, 
outside receivers. And then LaVisca Chenault is still talented. Like there are, there are three guys that like could conceivably jump him on the depth chart if they just outplay <laughs> right. him, which and then, is not great. To, to throw even more cold water on the wide receivers, um, you know, Doug Peterson's head coach, they brought in Evan Ingram and they still have Dan Arnold. So I think that like we could see more two tight end sets um, where, you know, you're only seeing two wide receivers on yeah. the field. So it really just caps the upside of really anybody outside of Christian Kirk. Cause we don't know who's going to be playing and they're not might, there might not be as many three wide snaps um, this year. So it just, it's makes the whole situation something to avoid in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, the same is pretty much true at tight end. Then you got Ingram going at tight end 20 Arnold. I think it's tight end 31. Uh, you know we love Arnold here, but not yeah. if he's splitting snaps with Evan Ingram. I, I think that's just yeah, it goes without saying. And you know they they brought in Arnold sort of a as a desperation move uh, last year. They they had a ton of injuries, so he stepped in, um, and we we were loving him when he was running over eighty percent routes run most games. But uh, yeah, Evan Ingram landing there certainly hurts Arnold's value. I mean, he's undraftable, but. Evan Ingram, he he's turning 28, so he's at the tail end of his prime, but he's he's probably not in the tight end one two discussion um anymore. Unless unless they're just saying Evan Ingram's the man, you know, and we can project them for 80% or more routes run per game. But just I'm off them uh both, obviously, uh heading into the season till until we know more. Uh and then the backfields earlier in the offseason, I thought James Robinson may have some nice sleeper appeal. I think he would kind of be that top back if he's healthy, but I'm not liking what I'm hearing out of, you know, in terms of his progress recovering compared to ETN. Uh, you know, Doug Peterson was quoted as saying ETN is doing uh, extremely well. He's been in our offseason program, working every day, feeling good. Um, but Robinson, they're saying he's not doing the things physically now on the football field, but we're hoping at some point in training <laughs> camp that becomes more of a reality. So you know, obviously Robinson got hurt much later in the year than ETN who went down, you know, early in the preseason. Uh, right now, ETN's RB27, Robinson's RB36. If we knew Robinson was going to be healthy, I would say Robinson would be mm-hmm. kind of the, the the value there. But given what we're hearing, I mean, it, especially with ETN just being so explosive, Robinson's as talented as he is, still an undrafted guy. Like, you don't know. Anytime you have like an undrafted guy, then go through a major injury, like it's it just seems like the 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 writing's on the wall for ETN to kind of run away with this job earlier in camp. So, uh, what do you think about this backfield? Yeah, so uh, apparently ETN's pretty much 100% recovered yeah. from his injury last year, which is good news. Um, and like you said, James Robinson, he's coming off a you know a more difficult injury Achilles. to come back from Achilles. Um, so he might not be ready to start the season. There's even a chance he just doesn't even play at all this season from what I'm reading. Uh, but either way, Achilles, it's really hard for running back to return to their previous form. So uh, I'm definitely down Robinson. And, you know, that means that Travis Etienne should be the workhorse back this year. Um, like you said, he just has insane, you know, receiving upside. So I've been hearing, you know, like he could line up in the slot. They could just move him around. So he's certainly a weapon. Um, should be the workhorse back. So I think at RB20, there's still even more room um, for his upside. He's uh, he's technically a rookie back this year. He didn't play at all last year. So he's my favorite rookie back heading into the season. He has the best situation. So, um, and he already has chemistry with Lawrence, you know, from their Clemson days. So uh, I, I love the, the, the upside that ETN provides at RB20 right now. 
Yeah, he's actually RB27 and at least in half RB27 yeah, and half PPR. Oh my steal. god. That's yeah, that's absolutely. Uh, like I, I guess I'm looking at a sharper ADP, but yeah, yeah I mean, I'm just yeah, going with the fantasy pros because uh, oh yeah, it's getting out, it's getting to that point where I don't want to just use the best ball ADP anymore. Um, right. But <laughs> obviously it's still way early. Um and he I have seen him go around RB20 in in, in a lot of leagues, but uh, yeah, I, I think I think he's kind of He's kind of the sleeper here. Um, James Robinson, at least right now, is looking like the bus. And I, I'd say Kirk also uh, could be a sleeper just going outside the top 40. Um, you know, he's yeah. kind of the clear clear guy that I think is going get, to get get targets and, and be on the field. Yeah, um, I, I, would, I would agree. ETN's my sleeper just because I don't think ADP is really factoring that James Robinson probably will miss at least the start of the season. And in turn, James Robinson, I just can't consider him an ADP. So he's my bust just because yeah. there's, there's better options that are actually healthy right now um, in that range. All right. Let's jump to the Texans. Davis Mills, actually, you know, he's going to QB 30. You know, I don't think he really has any streaming appeal starts the year at versus Indy then at Denver. Um, but uh, I guess it's worth mentioning at least that he was pretty much the second best rookie quarterback last year. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he had some big games, you know, in, in some kind of comeback efforts. Um, and you know, he was very, I think he was the best thing to kind of take away from that is that he shouldn't really hurt Brandon cooks, value, mm-hmm. you know, a full season of mills, uh, with mills, Brandon cooks was 69 of 97, uh, catches to targets for 736 yards and five touchdowns, 71% catch rate, uh, with Tyrod, uh, he only had a 58% catch rate and only one touchdown on 36 targets. So, um, Brandon Cooks' production increased with Davis Mills. He's going at wide receiver 27. I always like in that range to get these kind of clear-cut wide receiver ones on bad teams mm-hmm. um, because they have this, like, kind of, un, I feel like, underrated target upside where in, in a, if things go right, like, you could always end up with, like, a guy with, like, 150 targets. It, like, Allen Robinson a couple years ago on the Bears. Um, so I really yeah. like Cooks here. You know, if, if I need a receiver, and I usually do like to take receivers in this range, I have no problem taking Cooks at, at ADP. Yeah, so when it comes to Davis Mills, you're I mean, he wasn't as bad as, you know, most people expected as a rookie. So while he's below average, he's probably not the worst starting quarterback in the league. He's probably in the discussion, but he flashed some upside last year. He had four 300-plus uh, yard uh, passing games. Um, uh, but he's not, you know, you can't target him in fantasy. Just, you know, he just lacks the upside. He has no rushing upside whatsoever still plays behind a bad offensive line. So yeah, I think the way to think about Mills is like, does he help Brandon cooks and, or d- does he allow Brandon cooks to be, you know, wide receiver too. And I think we saw last year that he does. So yeah, I, I think Mills was good enough where I think cooks is just a slam dunk at his current ADP. I, I'm with you on that. Um, but Mills probably isn't good enough to really support anybody else outside of Brandon cooks. I think if the Texans were to trade for a Baker Mayfield or Jimmy G, um, you know, I think Cooks's value will probably stay the same, but that might be able to support another pass catching target. But at the end of the day, the te- Texans offense is basically just uh, Brandon Cooks is the guy to target and everybody else. Uh, probably not. Yeah. I mean, you know, Nico Collins, maybe there's a year <laughs> to weep, but I, I don't yeah. think it's going to be substantial enough to warrant any fantasy consideration. Um, you know, John Mechie, the third, you know, he's intriguing just because I think he could step in immediately and be the number two target after Cooks. Uh, great route runner in, in college, uh, can play in the slot. And uh, the team traded picks number 68, 108, and 124. 
uh, to move up to 44 to draft Mechie the third. So, I, I mean, I think if anyone is going to be valuable, at least in some weeks outside of Cooks, it's going to be – it's probably going to be Mechie the third. Yeah, I mean, he's he's dealing with an ACL injury, so yeah. I, I don't know if he's going to be ready for week one. And I think just – you already mentioned it, but heading into year two, I think Nico Collins just, you know, probably has more upside. He's 6'4", 215. He, he flashed at times last year, and I, I don't think he's the guy we should be targeting necessarily, but he does have the potential uh, for year two leap. I mean, he played with Davis Mills all last year. So um, I just think out of the two, I would say Collins probably has the higher upside just because we don't know if Mechie's going to be a hundred percent heading into the season. But like you said, you know, the Texans did give up, up a lot just to move yeah. up to get him. So they're probably going to force the issue with him when he is healthy, but that's, that's just an injury situation. We're going to have to monitor for sure. Yeah, I would, I would monitor. I, I, I mean, I don't see any indication that he's not going to be ready for the season. Um, and if he is, yeah, I think I actually think he does. Have, and I like Collins last year, but I think Mechie is going to have more upside um, because I, I just think he's like when when a team when you see a team dra- like trade up and draft like a polished NFL ready route runner type guy, like I just think yeah, the, the, the intention is pretty clear. Um, our guy Brevin Jordan's at tight end, <laughs> TE thirty one, probably not going to sneak into that tight end two discussion. Although with Tyrod Taylor, he averaged three point nine yards per target and a sixty percent catch rate. With Davis Mills, uh, 7.7 yards per target. So he basically doubled it up and a 78% catch rate. So uh, small samples with both 18 targets with Mills and with Taylor. But, uh, you know, he, he should, he, he might be one of those guys that at least maybe he gets into that low end tight end two discussion uh, in year two, takes that, that year two week. But I, I think he's going to be the clear, like, pass catching number one tight end. Yeah. I mean, we, we were on him. At times last year, he obviously has the talent to be fantasy relevant, but they they brought back Pharaoh Brown, who essentially split time with them at the end of last season. So this is certainly a situation of void. He, he might, um, you know, end up in like a showdown slate recommendation yeah. or something like that, even though I don't know if the Texans even play in a one uh, one off slate. Uh, no, they, they do uh, but, for every game nowadays. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so it doesn't have to be the it, prime time. Brevin Jordan might be a guy to consider in a showdown slate, but, you know, heading into the season, uh, probably not worth, uh, you know, wasting draft capital on. Speaking of wasting draft capital, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll finish up with nice. Zach Field here. Oh, yeah. Damian Pierce, uh, fourth yep. round pick, going at RB51. Uh, I guess the question is, like, he's probably going to be a committee back. Like, but like, how can he be like the one a at some point? And if so, how soon do you think he can do that? Well, first of all, I have a pretty uh, cut and dry rule uh, in fans football to, to avoid any running backs that earn a potential two to three way running back committee on a shitty team. So just getting out of the way. Uh, I don't like Damian Pierce because of those reasons, but this depth chart is so bad and he, he does have some talent. I mean, um, he didn't see much uh, volume at Florida, but he has the skills to be a true workhorse back. So he does have the upside to be the week one starter and, you know, see enough volume to be on the fancy radar. But right now his ADP is uh, RB 42. So, so he's in that range where you can, you can be getting guys like uh, Alexander Madison or Tony Pollard guys that actually have, you know, legit RB one upside. Uh, Pierce doesn't have that. So he he's, He's a nice flyer, but just given his ADP right now, uh, I'm probably off him because this this is going to be a murky situation 
um, no matter what. So uh, I'm probably off Pierce, even though I, I was kind of loving his landing spot after the draft. I think his ADP is just uh, inflated a bit too much since then. I'm seeing RB 51 uh, on fantasy. Oh, that, so I mean, I think that's be better. Like, if you can get him as your RB five. I would say oh like yeah. That. Then like rookie backs have been known to be some of the more profitable backs you can draft in fantasy. If yep. you're just kind of drafting blindly, which pretty much are after the top 40 <laughs> or so, so, or after the top, you know, 45. So I, I don't mind it. Uh, I'm interested, you know, Marlon Mack is RB 58 in ADP. Rex Burkhead is RB 81, but you look at the contracts these guys sign, and I know Rex plays some special teams. Mac hmm. doesn't, but Rex Burkhead got two point one. They both got one year deals for about the, just over Mac two million, Burkhead two point three million. So both got one year deals for around two million. But Rex Burkhead had two point one million guaranteed, and Marlon Mack has two hundred fifty thousand guaranteed. So like that's a pretty big like switch in ADP considering one guy's getting like ten times the guaranteed money. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, if there was anyone, I, I think we're a little too high on Mac. I, I think Burkhead would like Burkhead probably will be the week one starter. Oh uh, God. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying like, that's, yeah, that's, that's, like, that's, our, that's my guy from last year. Yep. I got a rep for him. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to hold the job or it's going to be a committee, but dr- I don't know if we should be drafting Marlon Mack ahead of Burkhead. And in some spots I've even seen him go ahead of Pierce. Yeah. The, so the one positive for Marlon Mack is this the first time in a few seasons, he's not going to be backing up Jonathan Taylor. So there, there is a path to actual touches on a weekly basis, but um, you know, he, he, it's going to be tough for him to ever return to previous form, which wasn't even that great to be honest um, after his Achilles tear yeah. in 2020. So, um, you know, he's at least landing a spot where he does have the potential to be the workhorse back, but yeah, I'm, I'm off him. He needs a lot of good things to happen. Um, to, to have fancy value at this point. So yeah, Rex Burkhead, the cheapest back to get in this backfield. Like you said, there, there was a, at times last year, you were playing him, um, you know, betting on his over using him in DFS. Uh, but that was because he benefited from multiple injuries. Uh, they trade away Mark Ingram. So, you know, who else were they going to have the ball to? So unfortunately he probably de- he needs one or two of these backs to probably miss time or, you know, get cut heading into the season. So I think this is sort of a wait and see approach. Uh, for me, where once one of these guys uh, goes down, then we can start uh, attacking this backfield. So, I mean, sleeper wise, I think the only guy you can really have a <laughs> like give like a really good chance to outkick his ADB, ADP, excuse me, is Brandon Cooks at wide yep. receiver 27. I think he could finish as, you know, a like mid range wide receiver too, maybe even in the teens if things break right. Um, and then Mechie the third is like a deep sleeper, but I mm. doubt. Like he could, he might beat wide receiver 95, but I still don't think that's going to be valuable in fantasy. Like, yeah, same for the sleeper has to be Brandon Cooks. He's the only viable player from this team, but the bus, just based on his, if his ADP, you know, gets in near the top 40, it would be Damian Pierce. But like you said, if, if you can get him outside of the top 50, I think he's worth it. So just keep an eye on his ADP because he does have upside. But just uh, given the current trend, I would say just be careful on Damian Pierce if, his ADPs run RB40. All right. That is going to wrap it up for our AFC South pod. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles in the free award-winning action network app. Again, be sure to give the pod a five-star review on Apple or Spotify if you enjoy it. And uh, we'll be back next week with the NFC South. Until next time, get this money.